So the title of my sermon today is Remember That You Are Baptized. Not remember your baptism. Many of us were baptized as infants and can't call that memory to mind. And that, of course, is part of the point of baptizing infants in the first place, to symbolize and to signify and sanctify those children in the truth that God loves you, loves all of us, well before we could even begin to consider loving God back. And perhaps even that, that recognizing and announcing that prior love of God is a necessary precondition to being able to love God back. It calls us to look deeply at the reality about God, about the nature of God's love and God's acceptance and God's nurture and empowerment of each and every one of us into life as well as into the life that really is life. No, not remember your baptism, but remember that you are baptized. Because whether or not you have an actual memory of that moment or that day, Remembering that you are baptized is to remember that you and I have been nurtured and commissioned on a particular track through this life, a track that is bathed and empowered by God's love and by yours and my belovedness, a track that calls us to participate in that love and to live in and to spread that love as well. Our brief scripture reading from the Gospel of Matthew today takes us back to that moment when Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. We read a version of this story every year on this day, this first Sunday in Epiphany, this baptism of the Lord's Sunday. And Matthew's telling keeps the story short and sweet. There are a couple of basic facts that this gospel wants us to know about what happened on that particular day. The first is that even after John demurred a little bit, even after John declined the offer initially to baptize, Jesus said, no, no, surely not I. I am the one that needs to be baptized by you. Even after that recognition and expression of John's humility... Matthew wants us to recall that despite whatever reservations John might have had, Jesus insisted that he carry on with the task. That John's baptizing him rather than his baptizing John was important at that moment in order to fulfill all righteousness. This event was too important, in other words, for the two of them to get lost in a question about their relative status or their position. No, we need to move forward now, says Jesus, in spite of all of that. That part of the story here speaks to me loud and clear, and maybe it does to you too, because I think we all know what it is to get lost in the less important things when the more important things are directly in front of our eyes. Let's not get lost in this, John. 
we've got a baptism to do. But there is a second detail in today's account that rings out even louder than the first, I think. Earth-shakingly loud, in fact. Unmistakably and boomingly loud. And that is that when we see Jesus come up out of those waters of his baptism, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove, then comes the announcement a proclamation, a loud word that declares for all the world to hear, this is my son, the beloved, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It seems to me that the connection between these two events is as clear as can possibly be. Baptism with this loud declaration of Jesus' sonship and belovedness. Almost as though baptism itself has something directly to do with declaring that this is my child as well as this child's belovedness. He arises out of those waters to the booming sound announcing his sonship and his belovedness. I'd like to spend some time Thinking about that with you today on this baptism of the Lord's Sunday, as we come together to remember that we too are baptized. Now, maybe the thought has occurred to you already well, well, Pastor, aren't we all beloved? Isn't the whole message of the gospel that God loves the whole world, baptized or not? And indeed, so much so that as that well known verse from the Gospel of John says, He sent his only begotten son. And my answer to that, of course, is yes. Emphatically, yes. But it's one thing for a person to be loved, I think, and quite another for them to accept love and live fully into that love, isn't it? I remember hearing once the story of the winner of the Florida State Lottery. He was an immigrant that spoke English uh, in a, a bit broken and worked at one of the local public high schools as, a, as a, const- a custodian, a very modest income, of course. The lottery at that time was up to something like $100 million, about the time when people start paying attention to the lottery. And the story in the paper related how it was a full three weeks before he realized that he had the winning ticket. And it was interesting, the angle of that story, because they fleshed out in some detail what this man's life was like over that three weeks. Living the struggling day-to-day life that he was living, not realizing that he had the winning ticket. Here was a person who had a wife and two children who rented a very inexpensive third-floor apartment near to the school in a run-down part of town, close enough so that he could walk back and forth to the school. He'd get up every morning at 4.30 a.m., out of the door by 5.30. He was a person that lived with tremendous anxiety about his standing and about his stability, as you can probably imagine. And that translated for him into an almost compulsive routine, maintaining the plants and flowers 
right outside the school office. Oh yes, the trash cans were always emptied on time and the hallways were always swept and mopped, but taking care of those several plants around the front office were his way of adding that little extra touch to show his employers that he was on top of things. They may not walk the school to see all of those empty trash cans, but they could notice the beautiful, tra- the beautiful plants in their way into the office every single day. And the story in the paper told how he took care of those plants as if his job depended on it, because they were, he felt, his only way to get some control over his and his family's stability. And Stowe, as the story goes, it tells about how every day over that three weeks, this multimillionaire would come into the school building and water those plants afraid that this was his only means to give his fragile, meager existence some semblance of stability. Anxious, anxious to have those principals and those vice principals and front office folks take notice that when this man, with this man as the school's custodian, life was good and beautiful and fragrant When he eventually realized that he had won, the story said, one of the things that he told the paper was that he would never water a plant again. No wonder, right? Watering those plants was all about trying to earn favor from those higher-ups that he never really felt he got. In fact, he wasn't even sure if they ever noticed. I'm not watering any more plants, the paper quoted him as saying. And what that really meant was, I'm never playing that game again. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to beg for people's love and recognition. I relate that because it strikes me that there's something in there that relates well to what it means to be baptized. And most especially on a day like today, to claim the memory that you and I have been baptized. Now it's quite possible, quite possible that those principals and vice principals and front office staff at the school noticed and appreciated every last bit of extra effort that that custodian put in to make their space fresh and beautiful They weren't interviewed for the story. But the point is that whether they did or not, the custodian didn't know it. The custodian didn't know it. And so he was left to continue operating out of that same fearful, anxious, earn-my-favor mentality that had him tending those plants to maintain his job. When Jesus comes up out of those waters, the voice of God booms from the heavens. This is my son, the beloved. The beloved with whom I am well pleased. Jesus, too, was loved before his baptism. But the announcement... The announcement, in a way, clears away any possibility for doubt or confusion. 
Not only are you my child and a beloved child, the God who loves you so is sending you forward from this moment to live fully and deeply into that knowledge and never water those flowers of earning your favor again. Again. And people of God, do you know that that is what your baptism means too? That is what your baptism means. You have won the lottery. You never have to water those flowers again. Remember that you too are baptized. That your belovedness has been announced and declared. Remember that we are called and commissioned to live from and out of the announcement of God's belovedness that signifies our adoption into the family. Now I want to say as well that there may be folks here today that haven't been baptized before. And you may be wondering to yourself, where is, where is my place in all of this? I want you to hear today that you are invited. You are invited. Invited to hear God's booming announcement of you as if it was ringing afresh from the heavens today. And I want to ask you to consider that you are invited to the life that begins with God's belovedness and that calls you to life forward. Forward from here in the fullness of that knowledge. I want to ask you, as we remember our baptisms here in a moment, if you would consider receiving this gift and stepping into the life that God has already prepared for you. So many of us, so many, I think, live our everyday lives like we're in those three weeks, don't we? With that custodian. Not realizing who we are or whose we are or what God has already made us. And so today, we remember our baptism. We remember our belovedness. We remember that announcement, that declaration that God has already made. You are my child, and you are beloved.